This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that, that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 442, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like... Here she comes, just like an angel. Seems like forever that she's been on my mind. Nothing has changed. She thinks I'm a waste of the time. There she goes. No, she don't know what she's missing. Can't she see I'll never give up the fight? I'll do all I can. She understands my desire. Hello, humanity. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 442. My name's Paul Montgomery. That's Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. That's Josh Flanagan. Mm -hmm. We are iFanboy, and we like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best book that they read. Call that the pick of the week, and we talk about it on this show. Uh, it's a way to talk about our feelings. <laughs> sort of a, It's a therapy session. The backdoor way of, of talking about our emotions. Um, before we get to the show, quick reminder slash warning, this is a review show, and we will be talking about the things that happened. Uh, in this week's books, in addition to our lives. So if you're worried about spoilers, just pause the show now and come back later when you're ready to join us for this healing experience. <laughs> this week, Connor had the pick. You put your hands on me, Paul, and then he heal me? Put my, my hand on the screen. Send good vibes to you, <laughs> this was a, my friend. This was an unusual week in that the publisher for which I had the most books was Image. I read one Marvel book. And I don't think that's happened since 1994, or I don't know when that last time that happened, but it was very unusual. Where, where most of the things are from Image? Where the majority, like I had seven or eight Image books. I feel like that's happened to me a few times. But well, but you're not me, Paul. I'm okay, for yeah, me, that hasn't happened in so a while. So what is usually the majority? Is just anything else? Or? Marvel, or, Marvel or DC is usually the majority of the books. Mm -hmm. um, I usually get a couple of Image books, but this week it was like eight or seven. It was, it was a lot. They were great. But anyway, it was just unusual. And even with all those image books that were all pretty great, the Pick of the League was Superman number 32, the first issue by new creative team Jeff Johns, John Romita Jr., Klaus Jansen, Laura Martin, Sal Cipriani. It's uh, 
going to be a recurring theme for this episode, but someone clearly misses the new, the old DC universe. And that really comes through in the Superman issue, I think. Um, because uh, Jeff Johns is taking elements of the new 52, not, he's not straying. In fact, they even colored in the, uh, red trunks, which had, which was in the preview pages on that Superman mm-hmm. newspaper, newspaper page in the background. But he's bringing back the dynamic of the old DC universe in that, you know, Clark Kent is sort of back of the Daily Planet and we've got Perry White and we've got Jimmy Olsen and I'm sure we'll have Lois Lane and whoever and all the other gang at the uh, at the office. We saw Lois briefly, it's, but right. Yeah. Well, it's funny that I was just, I was thinking I was like, this is Jeff Johns doing his thing that he he used to do, which was to take it all back down to ground, basically. And but, I, I thought it was funny because I like he was sort of an architect of the New Fifty Two, and now he's yeah, let's. Let's go back. Let's, you know. So it's interesting. Plug on Clark, Clark Capropolis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't just leave the website with your name in it, but, or can you? Um, but, uh, sure you can. it's interesting, and we'll get into this more later on. It's hard to talk about it without, because there are things we know about, the things behind the scenes that we can't talk about. But, uh, clearly someone is trying to bleed the edges of these two things back together a little bit as much as he can in this story. But this was, um, Noteworthy also because this is John Romita Jr.'s either first DC work or first major DC work. I'm not entirely sure if he's never done anything for DC. I'm not going to put a stake in it. It feels like not, but maybe there was a thing. He could have done a pinup, but but who knows? This this feels a lot like, you know, like, like Kirby goes to, Kirby goes to uh, DC because he's absolutely very, you know, he's a Marvel guy. His dad was a Marvel guy. This is mom, everybody. I mean, Romita is sort of a, synonymous with marvel and he sort of felt neglected it doesn't really fit into the new marvel and so he is here now doing superman and i thought it was a bit of a tour de force from him in this issue we're all yeah fans i know he's very polarizing in the modern audience but i think he's the quintessential superhero artist now he's doing the quintessential superhero and i'm looking right now that double page spread with superman punching the giant mechanical gorilla and i'm just like fuck man that is uh that's the stuff it's a great shot, and he just he brings it in an issue that is a lot of talking heads, and you know not a lot of superhero action. He's still he's not he's bad at that. I mean, the no, last not. major thing that I remember from Romita, not talking about Kickass, because Kickass was generally I didn't really read all of it, but like it was, the art was great all the way through. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone like it, it was it was really good top form Romita. Then the last thing I remember was he was on the Avengers stuff, and it never quite clicked because he had to put fifteen heads into every panel, right. and yeah. it was weird. Um, but yeah, I, I felt the same way, and also, I mean, Klaus Janssen was inking him, and he's he's Klaus Janssen, right? Um, he did so that's Cap, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 you're yeah, right. That was Duh. the last, yeah, was the last Captain 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 Captain. That was excellent. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, here if I have, I have, I had two. I, I came out of this just thinking, uh, wow, like a, it's it's good to see Jeff Johns again, and I know that that. I'm sorry, but that's what it felt like because I feel like I haven't read Jeff Johns like this in a while. And it was really fun to see uh, a thing that, that fits John Romita really well. I think there are a couple of places he had trouble with the face, and I mm. think the cover is terrible. <laughs> like the cover is just – It's a bizarre yeah, cover. It's just so not interesting. Yeah. Like it, it's – I mean it's, it's a take on the old image. There, there's that old – you know, it's a yeah, famous Super I get, I get that. But it's, it's – it's, it's, yeah, it's a little weird. It's, Especially it's, if you only see the, the, the cover and not the full yeah. shot, the full gatefold. It's a little bizarre. but uh, It looks like they blew up an image that wasn't supposed to be made for a cover and put it there. It doesn't say anything or do anything. It's not particularly dynamic or good. 
I remember once reading somewhere it's like a, when I was when I was first making some comics somebody gave me the note once for art like if you're going to show somebody running show their feet I'm just like it's just it's cropped uninterestingly but besides that I'm, there's no more there's no more criticism I have for it I thought it was it was a a really well drawn and, and uh, set up issue you're right that it felt very much like the old Johns that we haven't seen yeah. in a while it felt very much like that That's, justice era, just justice yeah. society era that action that stripped down guy time. That yeah. one who got to the core of, of what these characters were and didn't overdo it. Paul, what did you think? Well, it was all right start. Um, I, you know, I think I need a few more issues to sort of get my footing in this and understand exactly what he's doing. But I think it's, I think it's certainly an interesting premise. I like the idea of this, you know, this Ulysses thing and, um, and, you know, another orphan child sent into, you know, another realm. Uh, this time he's from Earth. And being sent to with the fourth dimension, right, mm-hmm. and and raised there, and, and coming and, and realizing that you know by the end that he's he's not alone. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see if we're going to get a whole lot of background from him. And I hope it just doesn't turn into kind of a one note, um, you know, anti Superman kind of. It's sort of archetype. similar to the Scott Snyder Jim Lee story. Superman Unchained, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, um, it it is pretty similar to that, but I don't know. The, at least you know we're starting out where he looks like he's a hero and not a scary. He looks like he's in Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> and so it it, it looks I thought like, about so, Nelson in ten years. I was, I was like, I don't know if that one's gonna land. <laughs> so I hope he doesn't just you know turn out to be like like uh, like flip a switch. And suddenly right. he's, you know, the evil kind of character. Well, there's certainly interesting things to explore in this scenario where you have this mirror Superman who, as Paul said, he was a, a kid who was sent out of, away from Earth because his parents' uh, laboratory was going to explode because science is always causing problems. Like Strange that. matter. And uh, so they, in order to save the kid, they sent him through this dimensional portal before the explosions. And then he shows up again here. Having grown up in this other dimension, being told that his homeland was dead and it's not clearly. I also really, I mean, Superman is a big part of it, but I also really like Jimmy Olsen, who's who's probably the other half of this story. Um, we haven't really had much of the sporting cast, at least in the books I've read. It could have been in the other books, Superman books that I haven't been reading. He wasn't working but, at Clark Catropolis. Right. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's been all, you know, uh, Superman and, uh, and Lana Lang lately. Uh, with with Greg Pak stuff and and um you know and Superman's interactions with you know Batman is most of what we've been, depending on you know what what books you've been paying attention to but and so here we have a Jimmy Olsen who is ostensibly independently wealthy because his jerk parents left him a bunch of money but it's there's some legal problems and I think that's kind of an interesting subplot to to look at um, yeah because and, you think of you know Jimmy Olsen as you know oh gosh gee whiz kind of character and to give him a really interesting sort of you know family dynamic I don't know it's it's sort of he's kind of he's kind of like uh what's his face on uh, ER you know No it's Carter Yeah it's, it's a, I don't know maybe there's there's interesting. possibility for him to go that direction but uh, setting the tone <laughs> Jimmy Olsen does Jimmy Olsen set the Jimmy Olsen very well might set the tone You set he the could. tone you set the tone pal Yeah he might how, wake up with again, cast on his leg. Uh, after Nelson, how far deep is this? <laughs> I feel like I'm really not producing for the mass audience anymore. Like, like every show, uh, you know, like out of ten thousand people or so, five of them are like, yeah. did this go out to people? Was, I thought we were just, you know, what was Nelson's big hit? I can't I keep wanting it. to say more than words, but I know no, that's not that, it. Wasn't that? No, that was that was extreme. That was uh, extreme. Yeah. With, uh, anyway, Nuno Betancourt. Josh, as a as a steak lover. 
Uh, how did you feel about his clerk's uh, cooking steak with his? All wrong. I, I I looked at that scene and I thought that steak's not going to be at all tasty. No, and he knows it. He's supposed to be smart. Like it's weird. He just he blasts. Why is he his his... hat backwards? That's what kids do, man. I love no. A... I, I, that's that's one of the things that I love about John Romita Jr. Is that yeah. like I don't think of him as one of the old guys. Now, but he kind of is. So like his stuff is like delightfully antiquated. It's like, like Alan Davis. Yeah, he's like that link between you know. I always put him on that. He's the continuum between like like Kirby and then Walt Simonson, and then like he's the next in that line, and he's still working. And like like the the, the action uh, fight scenes, the last sort of uh, third of the book, great, just yeah. really really wonderful. But you also get to have those fun like why is, why do you have him dressed like that? I, and I love that. I'm, the girl at the bar with the big jeans. Uh, yeah. But no, that's that's the wrong way to cook a steak completely. It doesn't make sense. He should have heated up a piece of metal or something. And Can't hurt. live without your love and affection. Is that the song we're looking for? I can't live without your love. And it sounds like it. I think there was another hit. They're what? notable now for just being Ricky Nelson's kids, and Ricky Nelson's uh, catalog is a lot more memorable. Now you've got more than words in my head, and I really don't feel good about yeah, that. Yeah. Do you remember when Gary Sharon was the lead singer of Van Halen for a little while? I do. Yep. All right. So I really like Superman 32 a lot. I love Ramita. I love Johns. I love the feeling of an old, old Johns. I like that he is trying to get in as much of the old DCU as he can. And this is like a, that a, lot. Yeah. a subject we're going to come up again in, in a couple times in this, in this. Screw episode. the blog. Um, work so, in a newspaper, damn it. So, uh, I would check it out. It's the start of a new arc, start of a new era. If you're a Superman fan, if you're a Ramita fan, or if you're a Johns fan, I would say this is, this is very much like old Johns and, and, so you should you should have at it. Classic Superman, Jones. Superman thirty two, uh, pick of the week. Now, did you guys read Outcast number one, the new Robert Kirkman book from Robert yes. Kirkman Comics? This is the latest uh, book pre-sold to what network? I don't remember which one it is, but uh, Paul as oh, a set on monster art. hit like that. That's pretty much he could he could have put anything on a napkin and be like, <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't been paying attention and you know, flipped it open and I saw the Paul as a set art. Ooh, yeah, I missed <laughs> this him. Is nice. I, it looked great. It really did. Um, this was a double-sized issue. You really get a whole lot for your two ninety nine in this book. Um, yeah. It was is fun. The, is that like I, I didn't I had no idea what it was or what to expect. I didn't read anything about it. I just like, oh, Kirkman's coming out with a new book. I'm I'm gonna read that. And Paul, as I said, as an artist who I really, really like. Um and so I I, I guess I'm not gonna say I was surprised, but I just didn't know what to expect. And I, I liked that it was I was like, huh. I, I didn't I didn't see this coming, although it felt like uh, it was at least somewhat similar to to Haunt. Uh, that was his other one, right? Yeah, which was also there was a priest and there was you know I, I don't remember ghost. anything about that book. It wasn't it wasn't memorable. This Did is much, Capullo this is do much, that? Yes. Yeah, it was Capullo, and it was inked by McFarlane and yeah, no, no, it was no, like it was like three, three styles, people. three yeah. styles that didn't go together. I remember having Otley, so. Capullo, and McFarlane were all on that. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is an anyway, exorcism yeah. book. This is a book about demon, demonic possession and exorcism. And I, that was as much as I knew just from reading the trades about the sales of the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, I liked it. I didn't, I didn't like love it, but I, I thought it looked wonderful. I think Paul has said it's great. And, it's, uh, it was one of those things where I was like, I think this is really good. It's totally not the kind of thing that I would normally want to read, if right. that makes sense. This is not my genre. But it was, it was good. I like that You know, he's got the freedom to just – really take his time and go through this and, and sort of 
very slowly reveal the things about what's going on and who we're looking at. And, and like at first it was like, this is a little confusing, but you just let them. Well, run you know that what's interesting out. is we had, one of the things we've said about image books is that we wish they were, we would get the first two issues together because a lot of them felt like prologues. Point. Here we basically get the two issues together. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, we really get to dive deep into these characters in this world. And so by the end of it, you really feel like you're, you're well established in what's, who these people are, what's going on. And I thought that was really a strong suit of the book. This is a really interesting was, twist with, um, you know, re- like you, you're led to believe that he had, you know, abused, you know, or beat his, his young daughter or his, and maybe his wife. And then you find out later that, um, it wasn't, it was just, uh, you know, miscommunication. It was actually his wife was, um, was possessed by these demons and was attacking the kid. And then he tried to stop her and in doing so hit her. And so then, you know, the, and I, and I, there's some interesting dynamics here, like the, the sister, you know, taking care of him and wanting to bring him out and, and making him a part of the larger family and meet his niece and everything. But then also her husband is a dick is a dick. Is, is, well, is he's a, a dick because a cop, he thinks, because yeah. he thinks that he's a wife beater abuse. I, I think and understandable too. Like, he's like, I don't want that guy around my kid. He beat his own kid. Like, and he's acting all weird and, you know, so it's so yeah, kind this of understandable, is, but this is the story of a town in which, Demonic possession seems to come part and parcel with your t- your property taxes, in that uh, the main character has been plagued all his life by demons. His wife, his 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 uh, daughter, also was his mother as well. Yes, mm-hmm. that's um, it started. And then uh, so he so he gets called in by the priest to help with another demonic possession. But I like that he's sort of an outcast. There's a reverend actually, not a priest. But I want to I want to I want to make sure we give we give credit to uh, Elizabeth Brightweiser's color too. I was just looking through mm-hmm. it now and I'm noticing. How these colors work together and one of these sort of muted palettes. She does a really great job with the lighting in this issue because when you go into the the kid who's possessed in the present, when they go into his house, it's very like all the windows are boarded up and it's like Mm -hmm. super dark in there. And it's not just like, you know, they're walking through and it's pitch black and you just, you know, it's a black wash over the the panel with like a flashlight going through. It's actually, you know, really muted to the point that it just looks like dim you know, indoor lighting. And I was, so I was really impressed with, with that. There's a, there's a really nice, uh, I'm trying to figure out, there's like a, sp- a spread in the middle where he's talking on the porch to the priest and, and you're looking out over the, like the bare trees and there's like yes. a mountain in the sun and like that. There's not, there's not a ton of ink on that one. That's all sort of looks like it's drawn in color. It's, it's gorgeous. It's I like, like a, the, uh, I like the depiction of the, the demonic spirit too. Like when it comes out of the kid and it's just, Hovering there in the you like know smoke. The ceiling, yeah, it's like yeah, it's the smoke monster from Lost, but but or the, like, against, or the shadow monster from Game of Thrones, yeah, like. yeah. So it's like it's and uh, it's it's darkness within a dark room, but you can still sort of like what the hell is that? And it's, it's also Kirkman believes in demonic possession, <laughs> so that's a thing, <laughs> or or you know it was possible, yeah. I was a little thrown by that in the last in the back, but well, you know people <laughs> believe in things, that's fine. I, have, you know, I stopped what I was about to say. He can believe in whatever he wants. Yeah, especially now. Sure thing, Mr. Kirkman. Sounds like a good idea. I'll get the priest here right away. I thought this was really good. I honestly, I only checked it out because it was a new number one from Kirkman, but I, I, and I wasn't expecting, but I'm going to definitely read the second issue. I think yeah. I'm, I'm drawn in enough by the characters. I think the main character is really interesting. I love the fact that he has to exist in this world where everybody hates him. For reasons that are untrue. Yeah. Once I got to the twist where you find out, oh, it's not him, you know, beating his family. It's, it's, the, it's the wife. And like the Reverend even says, like, your mother and your wife too. And 
you know, and then he's like, we got to find out why they're, you know, why they're bothering me. Why, why is the, is the world of demons being such a dick to me? <laughs> like constantly right. just following me around. And they call him the, and the reason it's called outcast is his blood apparently is, you know, it's like holy water on a demon or something like it's, uh, it's what helps him draw the, the thing out of the, the little kid. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Speaking of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you tweeted out this week that sex was the most Joe Casey book that Joe Casey's ever written. Yeah. What does that what does that mean? Uh specifically, I was listening to the way that if you've ever read a Joe Casey interview, like he he doesn't talk like anybody else in comics. Um or if you've talked to him in real life. And there's a bit at the end where the two twins are sort of talking to each other back and forth, and I was like, That's Joe. That's Joe's interview voice. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all, because it's it's a very distinct personality how and do you, voice. How do you quantify that? What is what is the voice ah. like? It's just it's a way of speaking. It's it's like vaguely theatrical. It's a little it's it's a little like excitable. It's a little condescending. It's a little uh, you know. It, there's there's like a touch of it's like a punk rock Stanley kind of thing. If that if that punk makes sense. Punk rock Stanley. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, this was. Uh, I think I. I feel like this book is is winding up or down towards something. And it's, it's not though. If you read, the, if you, did you read the letters column? No. Well, I read like I read like parts of it. Well, it's interesting because we've discussed this before uh, on this show, and I talked about it with some people who work on the book. Is that this is a pure drama book? It's not like there's a story or central story. It's not a central right. narrative. Soap opera. And somebody complains about that in letters column, saying, "I don't see where this is going. I don't feel like this is. I don't feel like there's a there's a you know a point we're going to." And he's like, "There's not. It's a drama. Sometimes we'll follow this character. Sometimes we'll follow this character, and the story will go wherever they they tell me to go." I love but, that. I, yeah, no, I, I do too. And I just I just like the. I mean, it's it's so obvious, like the continuing comparison of superheroics to sex. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just trading the one thing for the other, and and. Like it just shines a different light on this thing that we have all in comics spent so much time reading about and looking at and twisting it a little bit on its side and this this fetish, you know, and, and how right. how it works in this in this comic. And I also another thing occurred to me as I was reading this book is that I feel like if you look at some of the stuff that's going on at Image specifically, uh, a lot of books with a lot of uh bits. In them. Naked, naked bits, naked bits, and I was like, "Fucking Alan Moore did it again." <laughs> he did. I know. Alan Moore went and set the tone for comics, like, like without meaning to. Yeah. And 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 like, it's a real thing now. Like, he was like, "I'm gonna do these weird porno comics that are sort of mainstream," and now it's totally commonplace. It Isn't really is, weird? especially this week with Saga too. But um, uh, I like that. I like that some people have a really hard time with this because it's not a traditional superhero story, so they can't get their grasp on it because it's not. He said even you know for the trade they had to give it a genre and and they, they picked drama. That's, yeah, that's what it is. Good on them. That's, and, uh, that's what's exciting about it, right? I mean, because there's so many, and we talked about we've always talked about this with this particular book. And the first issue was a pick of the week. I think it was like it was like the second pick of the week I gave out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. It's a deconst- you know, it's a superhero deconstruction, but it's but that's limiting. It's so much more than that because there's so many superhero deconstructions that have gone on since Watchmen, and it seems like they each have one high concept, or maybe it's like it's a mashup of two, but they basically have one kind of thesis about that they're trying to say about superhero comics. This one 
feels to me like an ongoing exploration. I do still feel like it's a bit of a final word on on the superhero ethos. Like yeah, in, but in a I way. mean, like it's but it's an also, ongoing thing. It's not like I have yeah. this one thing to say about it and it wraps up nicely. It's it's let's see where this goes. Also, it's it's Tomax and Zaymot basically. Right. Well, this issue <laughs> was the this issue we we get the backstory on the twins, the twin characters who are crime bosses in the present and in the past. We find them as thugs or or you know lieutenants in a in a crime family and this is we watch how operators. they how they take it over uh by orchestrating some murders in the middle of their orgy but um i really love this i love the art i think that there's a clever way to do and he talks about this also in the letters page a clever way to use the guest artist to keep it on monthly mm-hmm. by using them in these flashback sequences but i like the flashback art quite a bit mm-hmm. yep and uh this is a book i get really excited about whenever it comes out <laughs> Who, who is another word that you would use? Chris Peterson. I get really... Um, I know a guy named Chris Peterson. He used to work Chris, at Nickwood. Chris anyway. Peterson is the guest artist. He's really good. It was good. We get really so, hot and bothered. Uh, I get... Turgid. <laughs> turgidly. My emotions are turgid. <laughs> turgidly. By the way, it was Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection, Paul. You were correct. That was the song. That was the big one. That was the big Nelson song. Uh, so let's talk about Avengers Undercover number six. First of all, I'm sad that this book is ending. I think there's only four more issues left. Um, but uh, I'm finding that I'm enjoying this as much as I was enjoying Avengers Arena, which if you listen to the show, you know, it's quite a bit. We talked about it a lot. Um, this, this is the post fallout from Avengers Arena in which the kids all went and they escaped Murder Island and they had to deal with the fallout of everybody finding out what happened on Murder Island. And they went and hunted down, killed Arcade. And then they decided, well, I guess we're supervillains now. And then they got invited to join the Masters of Evil. And now... Some of them are doing it as an undercover op. Some of them are not quite sure if they're evil or not. And Chase is dead. Well, yeah, that is that is whatever these days. But Chase is dead. In this issue, we really get to explore what it's like day to day to be in the Masters of Evil from Death Locket's perspective. Mm. And uh, I just love the dynamics of this book. I love the exploration of good and evil. I like the 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 problem of. Well, if you're evil, then you're going to shoot Captain America from far away. And Chase is like, well, you can't shoot Captain America. He's a good guy. And I, I thought that was – I just loved this this whole exploration. Chase saved Captain America's life because Deathlocket was going to snipe him. Right. She was about – she was going to shoot and he was going to be dead. I can't believe I've missed this. Like at some point I just was unaware of what it was and it was the thing I was looking out for and now I'm downloading all well, these not, you know, yeah, it's not that much of it so that's no, I know. good news so I'm going to catch, catch up because up. I loved Avengers Arena and I, I'm blowing it that's yeah. I uh, it, it's it's Avengers Arena but then plus like you know the Zemo right plus the Zemo. Zemo in it so good, that's good Thunderbolts good Thunderbolts yeah I um I really like the uh, the Death Locket character and I think that's uh, <laughs> I like the interesting weird sort of triangle between her and Chase and who's the shovel guy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but he's really—he really is lame. The whole joke is that her boyfriend just all he has—he's like a digger in uh, that movie with with uh, Ben Stiller, Mystery Men. Mystery Men. He all he has is a shovel. He just has a shovel, and uh, and he just calls her babe all the time. I was like, man, this guy's so lame. <laughs> but uh, it, it is a really great. I mean, ben, uh, Dennis Hopeless. I don't know why I called him Ben. I don't know who Ben is. Dennis Hopeless or Ben Stiller, I guess. Dennis Hopeless is really locked in on these characters and locked in on their their I'd be really dilemma. Impressed if it was Ben Stiller writing this. <laughs> See, that's his pen name is Dennis Hopeless. I've met uh, no, no. That could have been an actor we interviewed. He don't, he don't, we don't know. We don't know how deep this this joke goes. 
Uh, art by Timothy Green the second was really strong too. Not the, not the normal artist, but it looked really great. Um, I'll be sad when this ends, but it's, it's been it's been a really I like fun an artist explosion. with a number after his name. Timothy Green two. Yeah, like it's it's like you're getting second go. Also, this was like the third version of Captain America's costume I read this week. Uh, this is much like. Beast, they really haven't figured out how to draw this thing of any kind of consistency. That tells you something about the design. Well, it just tells you the more complicated they make these costumes, the harder it is to make them keep them consistent. Yeah. And uh, in one of the books the- I read, he basically had the old costume with his new gloves, but he had the scales. This, you know, he, I think they should just draw them whatever way they want to, because like, and in, in this, it seems like an no. Well, it seems like an instance where they're tr- like they're trying to follow this weird complex pattern of like all where the straps go and everything and and just draw captain america you know i don't i don't know <laughs> anyway it's really good make sure make them look you know they can make them look like how they want them to look on the cover but i think i think like the interior is just as long as it's recognizable as captain america i'm fine that'd be off brand paul this is going to sound like the crankiest thing that, that anybody but it's like kirby nailed it they haven't beaten it. Every time they get away from what it was, like there was nothing wrong with it. Well, DC it has feel... that problem. We, we talked about it before. DC yes. and Marvel, Marvel's problem is trying to replicate the movie costumes, and DC's problem with making them all all those classic looks very complicated is at really least, taken away from the visual aspect of the of the. Books. At least I understand why Marvel's doing it. Mm-hmm. I they're trying to make it in line with the the overall image of the things that actually make them money. Whereas DC is just like, the kids are like this. And it's like, it's stupid. Right, which is evidence. We, we didn't mention with when we were talking about Superman 32, like the, the costume like <laughs> is still bad. It's still yeah. terrible. It's still it's, it's, really it's bad. It's so terrible that like we, to, in order to read it, you just have to shut it off. But every time you read one of those DC books, you, you should know that in the back of my mind, 100% of the time, they just look so stupid. Yeah. And then I move on from that and judge the book otherwise. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna actually talk about that a little bit later. But so trees, trees. Warren Ellis, Jason Howard. Number one was such a question mark, like as what is this? But it's fascinating. I was I found it really compelling, but I was like, what is this? Because it's this macro view of this world where there's these these weird alien pillars that have sprouted up or landed on different locations throughout the globe um and we follow different groups in different areas different countries and um they're in the north pole right um it's the north pole yes polar bears so yeah right (laughs) so anyway so we um wait are polar bears just in the north yeah there are no polar bears in the south there's penguins it's polar it's not north polar bear I was really going to try to impress Ryan with this one. With are they husband. in Canada? There are no polar bears in Canada? What about Maine? I think they're in the North Pole. There are no polar, Maine bears polar bears in Maine? Maine? No. How do you know? I, well, I mean, Maybe it wasn't a thing. One. Well, they reported on the other kinds of bears frequently, mostly black bears and brown bears. So the polar, polar bears, bears have a lobby that's very powerful that keeps them out of the media. Really? Polar bear lobby. That's fascinating. They're like the Koch brothers the of Arctic. the animal yes. kingdom. <laughs> exactly. Polar bears are from the Arctic Circle. They're not in the Antarctic. So it's the North Pole. Okay. So anyways, so they're and Maine. So what I but okay. So, <laughs> yes. So it was a question mark. So it was like, what is what is this book going to be? Just and north of so, Portland. <laughs> this issue, we spend a lot of time in the in the North Pole, and I like this because I've had some conversations with with our buddy Ryan Haupt about the depiction of scientists in various stories, and and um, this felt like 
scientists to me. Like they're very into, you know, they're like sort of like narrow focus on their experiments and what they're working on right now to the point that this guy doesn't want to leave because you, and like you should only spend a certain amount of time a year and, you know, in a North pole research station before you go like stir crazy. Oh, yeah. So you should also they're, they're petty humans. <laughs> like, like they're like the scientist is always the level headed one, you know, like in the story right. rather than black science. But, uh, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying that's that's good. But so I thought it was just a uh, an interesting examination of those personalities, and when they start getting into like bickering and stuff, mm-hmm. and the stuff that they fight about, and you have the one new scientist who, fought, you know, she ends up there, and she's just like, "Can someone please kill me? <laughs> like, why did I sign on for this?" Well, I, you know, have you if you've ever read about the South, the Antarctic sort of station? Like, it's a weird place. The people mm-hmm. who end up there are weird. It's you know, and you're trapped in there. It's there's like Old no bears. other. <laughs> no, we just went through that. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, Where are the bears? <laughs> I have a question. I came down here. I was promised bears. I have a question, Connor. Is this about bears? No question. Never mind. <laughs> um, no, but but like uh, I remember a long time ago, I did. I was working on a TV show, and I, I uh, like I had talked to, and we brought on a guy who was who'd worked in the uh, Antarctic Station, and and also like you know we we've read all the the stuff from uh, Rucka and, and um, Whiteout that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it's just like they're weird people or they become weird by being in that. Like it well, takes it's, a special it's, it's, kind of person. Yeah, it takes a special kind of person yes. to be able to put up. With I, I don't that. mean weird in, in a bad way. I just mean like, it's you know, typical. They, they get it's down like weird, there. Like you have to, t- you want to talk about comics every week for <laughs> exactly. It's also kind of weird. I, I own that. It takes um, all kinds. But I mean, I think, I feel like that's in it a little bit. Like it, like it gets, it gets sort of insane. And like, you know, that guy, I remember that guy telling me, he's like, you don't even want to know what people got up to down there because <laughs> They were just bored and trapped and, you know, they're in this, this, I mean, you may as well be under the ocean or in space. It's right. probably made bear suits. <laughs> and then, and then one of the other pedantic scientists was like, no, I discovered the first Antarctic bear. <laughs> so I thought this was a Jason Howard tour de force, especially the scenes in, I guess, is that Brazil in the middle or wherever yeah. that is? It, was, it looked very Fabio Moon and uh, Ba-esque. At this guy's range, man. Look at, but, look at what uh, he's showing us that we had not seen in the Astounding yeah. Man. I was a little disconnected from the story. I would. I, I my note on this would probably be that one of the things I really liked about the last one was that it was sort of non-specific and sort of vague, and we we're just going around the world. And as we get, and I know that you kind of have to do this because of the way that the story is, but then they get into like, what is this flower? How does it work? Like, I don't care about that so much. I just want to see how this has affected the world. Right. Which I think is really interesting. I got I got really sort of bored with all the flower talk. Yep, and it's not my anti science nature. <laughs> it's just that there was a lot of talk about this poppy, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Oh, well, maybe maybe next issue we'll get more of the Somalia thing, where you've got this, yeah. you know, uh, you know, between two African nations, you have this this one tree that they believe their- is the shorter tree, and it's affecting positively the one nation. And then the other nation, it's not doing much of anything for them. But they're like, we can use this as a stage of some sort and we can get up there by helicopter. And we have this great observation deck to look down Do you down think they have bears it. up there? <laughs> there are bears that would, everywhere. That would be a poor strategy. <laughs> I, and I, re- I loved the, the character of the – I really, really enjoyed the character of the Somali leader. Mm-hmm. 
because they were, you know, like they basically described him like he's he's an economic expert and this and that, and he's talking. He was talking about strategy, like that sort of large view of politics. And I find that really interesting. And I think Warren Ellis obviously has a hell of a head for it. Yeah. Um, much less so than I don't. I don't care why the pillars. I don't want to know the mystery of the pillars. That's I don't. That's not as interesting to me. I like right. the idea that they're just there and you have to deal with them. And they've more or less been inert, other than you know the dumps right. that they take. Great book. <laughs> Yeah, I just I, I love the ambiguity of it, and and yeah, I th- I'd, I'd really like the it's I think it's it's macro enough in that it, it looks at all these different places, but then it it you know it's slowly starting to zoom in on different relationships and different things that are going on specifically with the trees, and I I'm just I don't know it's it's I can't think of anything all that similar to this out there right now, even though there's a lot of science fiction. Um, I think it's the this closest is, thing might be like that sovereign book, but that's fantasy, but just in the way that it looks at culture. This uh, is science fiction though. Like in the, this is, if yeah. you were to talk about like the kind of science fiction I'd love to read, this is awesome. Yeah. It's not just, you know, like aliens for aliens sake and that's right. fine. Those, those stories are fun, but it's, you know, real, like, you know, hard science fiction, I guess. Paul, when the yeah. aliens do come, they're gonna they're gonna hear this show and they're gonna go, "So, aliens for aliens' sake, huh?" Paul, they're gonna <laughs> eat you. You're gonna get eaten by polar bears. By polar bear aliens. By polar bears. They'll be playing Nelson. Find out that polar the bears were just early scouts, and their overlords, <laughs> Gunner and whatever Nelson, are gonna come for you. Gunner. <laughs> you know, it's not a lot of gunners. Really been replaced. Gunner by and them. Matthew. By the Matthew, Liams and the Collins. Matthew kind of got the short end of the stick on that, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Well, maybe they were like, well, one of them, maybe, you know. We'll- this is Gunner, and this is Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> this is Klaust and Joe. I want to be Gunner. So listen, right. I've got kids. I've got bills. We can't do this for free. Come on. No, <laughs> that's the worst pitch ever. Uh, you can go to ifambo.com slash Amazon, and if you do that, the things that you buy from Amazon... Can you adopt a polar bear on Amazon? You No. I, you check into that while I get through this. I'm looking. Uh, we'll help support the show. Uh, we'll take a little, tiny little wee bit of what you pay Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it puts it in our, our, uh, our cavernous and echoey coffers. <laughs> Just imagine like a big room where you hear a it's water empty. drip. And there's just a small pile of change in the corner. That's us. It's not – It's I, if you're thinking of Scrooge McDuck, you are way off. We're not even Flint Hart Glom Gold. So anyway, you can go to Amazon and, uh, and buy – well, there you go. You Gift can adopt Republic one. Adopt a Polar Bear gift box for $29.99, some kind of box, I guess, you send away. And then you also get a virtual pet polar bear, an app. Whatever it is that is that, – that, uh, that you have that they have to do to send that to you, or the energy they use—that is the thing that is melting the ice that that poor polar bear is standing on. And they're just like, stop, just we're, just leave us alone. Bear in the back seat too. Adventures of a wildlife ranger in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Jeez, that's gonna, that's not going to be a polar bear. It's going to be a grizzly. Yeah. Looks like uh, a black bear so we get the, the Amazon thing covered. You can do that. That would be super helpful. Or you go to ifanboy.com slash registration and take the more direct route. You could uh, you can pledge any amount that you would like if you'd like to donate to the show. This long suffering program that we do for you, for your enjoyment, for free. Um, we're saying if you want to kick in some because you've you've got you've got the stuff going on, the economy's recovering. You're like, you know what? I, you know, I appreciate this. Uh, you can you can do that at ifanboy.com slash registration. <clears throat> You can sign up for three bucks a month or thirty bucks a year if you don't even want to think about it. Just, just off, off it goes. That's that's not a lot. It's uh, it's less than Sally Struthers wants. 
Does she mm-hmm. still still do those? Someone else I, do I those? Assume. I just hear like Santa Claus does it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just hear a voice saying twenty two dollars a month. Um. So you could do that, and that is a, a really great direct way. And of course, we obviously uh is flipping as we are. We are we are super thankful to the people who who take that route and uh, and help support the show. Uh, it really makes a big difference. And thank you. Bear paw meat handler forks. <laughs> it looks terrifying. Uh, so like brass knuckles with claws. Sorry, go ahead. Batman thirty two. This is the issue where Batman finally confronts the Riddler after being bested in every at every turn. And I really liked the moment where he walks into the the place where he thinks Riddler is, and he shouts out, "Am I right? Am I right?" And I really thought that was a very uh, visceral. Batman has some rage moment. issues in this because yeah. he's he's been he's been beaten. Yeah, I mean, he's he can't win against the Riddler, and he's at the end of his rope. If he's wrong here, he's the, the city's done for. And uh, I just felt that very viscerally when he shouted into the darkness, "Am I right?" And then, of course, he is right. And I loved the next page where we have a shot through the Riddler's clapping hands. Oh yeah, that was, really <laughs> that, was cool. that was a little it was a little mustache twisty, but not necessarily in a bad way. Right. Um, I just uh, and I love the cliffhanger of Batman in a discotheque inside of a replica Sphinx. Again, <laughs> uh, I told I told Scott uh, specifically on on the, on the that uh, that page uh, where uh, he he sends the message to Alfred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my favorite Batman thing that he's written. Oh wow! I really love that. I thought it was like super, not superhuman, but very human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was because this whole time you've just seen. Bruce be a dick to Alfred who constantly takes it, which is pretty much what we saw in the movies, the, the recent ones, you know, mm. and this was the, like, he's finally got to admit, you know, like, yeah, you're right, but here's the thing. It was just a nice bit of of humanity and a nice bit of logical sort of uh, conclusions by Batman who's supposed to be super smart and sometimes you're like, how come you can't see your nose just by your face? Um, I really like that. That's all. So next month we have the cliff, the uh, end of the finale of Zero Year. Should be wow. exciting. Yeah. Revival. We haven't talked about that. Yeah, I hadn't talked about it in a little while. And, uh, you know, I think last year when we did our, our, so six months ago when we did our sort of best of the year, I, I put, I put Revival in my top five. Um, and it's still a really good book. And what was fun about this last issue is, uh, like a good part of it takes place in New York City. And I just thought it was cool. Um, it was cool to see how this thing that happens in Wausau, Wisconsin, uh, affected the rest of the world and good news it makes new york city people more crazy <laughs> like it really like it has a real impact on the world at large and you're you're watching um what's her name i can't think dana um sort of she's there to like look into an investigation that's going on there and you know this is the first time we've gotten out of of the the main spot and seen you know how the rest of the world has been affected and it's been affected in a really big way but also in the way that, like in trees, like the world does go on. Mm. Like all of a sudden, the rules of everything you knew have changed, but you still got to go to work on Monday. Um, that would and that, suck. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's. I think that's really really interesting. I think uh, it was good, and I like this uh, this little relationship with the uh, with the Johnny Knoxville dead guy that uh, is going on with his sister. And uh, it, was, it was a it was a good issue. I haven't talked about it in a little while, but so, I so, been- so what about people who are like legitimately like sick. And they call in the morning, like, I know you're all at work, even though it's the apocalypse and everything, but I have sniffles. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, the apocalypse is coming, everyone must report kind of thing. It's not an all hands meeting kind of thing. Um, it's not like a bear attack. 
No, it's just that if you use, like, say you use one of your PTO or paid time off days, um, you, that's going to count against you. Yeah. Uh, regardless of apocalypse. You can take a personal day, Paul. It's just not going to be able to take one later on when you just really need it. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know how bad it's going to get. So you right. want to save those up. Not so much for vacation because of the end of the world part. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when like your your benefits wear out. Um, you might want to take those days the week after Thanksgiving so you can get that full eleven days off using only five vacation days. Yeah, that's a strong move. So that's a strong keep move. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's a good idea. So when you continue to uh, bang the drum for Ms. Marvel uh, number five, you guys reading this? Or is it me and Connor? Or? I am. Okay. Um, I am good and ho- and I know good comics. <laughs> I'm not because I'm I don't know. It's Actually, great though. Such a great like all ages comic, and one of the great things that they do here, uh, Wilson and Alfana, um, Kamala loses like her first superhero battle, and that's a really important milestone for a young superhero. You sort of you know she knows that she's loose. She's like I got to get out of here, and she has to retreat. And then she comes back having learned a lesson and getting a great sort of training montage. And I like that the, the her friend points out that because she has a friend who is aware of you know her her abilities, and she has sort of a strange power set where her her big go to move sort of if she was like you know a Street Fighter character would be this giant. She can make her hand huge, she a giant fist, and she just make this hand. And and he's like, "That's pretty awesome." That's also like kind of gross <laughs> to look at because yeah. it's just weird visual of the giant hand on a regular size arm. And and anyway, so uh, then she and she goes back and she you know she rescues this person, and and so the mission is completed. But there's a really great heartfelt scene where she goes home, and it's you know it's late at night, and she's in her suit, her weird superhero costume that she's you know made herself, and. And um and then her mom finds her there and she's like, What are you doing? Why were you out late at night? You're you know, you're you know, you're ruining your life, you're you know, you're gonna embarrass this family and she's and she's just she's just lashing out because she's worried about her daughter. And then dad comes over and and tells the story of, you know, why they decided to give her this name Kamala, which means perfection and uh it's really nice, you know, father daughter kind of moment. And uh, I really love the um the um, the the overall cast of this yes. book. There's this really great the family's like really family. great. I thought the dad scene where the, you know she comes home late and the dad gives her the talking to was really a great father daughter scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something I, I thought of you, Josh, when I read it. Even though you don't have girls, it's still a very great father child uh, discussion, and it was it feels very true. Yeah, and it's not just like you know mom and dad are pissed and it's a complete like unified front. They they understand each other and they you know he he sort of has to explain to his daughter like this is where your mother's coming from. But they they each approach their daughter in a different way and, and like a nuanced way and I thought that was really cool. Um and then at the end we find out that the the first big bad is, is like this giant parakeet kind of character. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> it was but... a great design, but it was it was really funny. Um I love the art in this book. Mm-hmm. It just did like again, nothing looks like this. Um and it it looks and even if you know Alfana from Runaways, it's a completely different style. Um but I I love the color in it. Again, reading it on the iPad, really beautiful. <laughs> We're sick of hearing about your iPad. I, I love it. It's so good. Why don't you tell us about your lake house while you're at it? Totally changed the way I read comics. So Justice League 32 continues with a different device, literally. I mean, the fallout from from Forever Evil, in which 
Lex Luthor is now seen as a hero, and he has figured out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. The cliffhanger in the last issue was him showing up at Wayne Manor oh, saying, right, hey, right, right. I know you're Batman. And that, so that led to a really, really great opening scene that went eight pages of, of Bruce and Lex sort of matching wits about whether or not he's Batman with a great cl- culmination in which Lex basically says, hey, I, I guess I got to prove it. So he pulls a gun on him. And then out of nowhere, off panel comes in Alfred's hand, cocking his own gun to Lex's head. Nice. So, you know, because he's always lurking to protect Bruce just in case. And I thought that was a really great moment. Um, and then they have a f- really, it's Doug Monkey, and they have a really great fight in Wayne Manor and, and ends up Lex exposing Bruce, Bruce's Batcave entrance. So he, he, he knows he has the proof. He's blackmailing him because he wants on the Justice League. So uh, it was really, really good. I mean, there was other stuff going on too, but that was real for me, the really strong scene. And actually, Paul, I thought of you because uh, the other Aww. hero of Forever Evil was Len Snart, Captain Cold. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he is here now getting his interview at LexCorp to join the team. And he, he's not used to being treated with respect and treated with, um, as a hero, all the security guards want to take their photo with him and get his autograph. He's not used to that kind of attention. And this is a great... Um, take on that from a guy, Jeff Johns, who really knows these rogue characters really well. So Captain Cold's really uncomfortable in this new position in the world. And it's just between the Lex Luthor, uh, Bruce Wayne stuff, which is probably two-thirds of the issue, and then the Captain Cold stuff, and plus a little bit of Shazam, this really worked, was right up Jeff Johns' alley and, and a really fun issue. I, I didn't really care at all for Forever Evil, but I'm enjoying so far the, the fallout of it and the characters. That how's, the, how's the depiction of Captain Cold? It, I mean, it's hard to say because he's, he's so uncomfortable the entire time. Uh-huh. You know, so he's not he's not his normal self. But is this the first time he's shown up? No, no, because he, he say he helped Lex save the day in Forever Evil, apparently. Okay. But, I don't know. But uh, he's just this is the first time he shows up at his interview. And actually, there's an interesting little uh, synergy here. We were talking about Marvel earlier. So the the, the rumors in the, for the Batman Superman film is that Mercy was going to be played by an Asian actress, and here she's drawn to be Asian. So clearly, that was that was mm-hmm. accurate. Um, that was an accurate casting news, but uh, I, I think Paul, maybe you might want you, you might want to check this one out just okay. to see just to out. see what you think. I just I miss I miss old old fifty two Len Snart and like I just imagine him like he like he probably breathes weird, right. you know, like is that whistly, you know, and he's like he, he's a close talker, you know. Well, like this is know. a Len Snart, not quite that like that, but he is a Len Snart who is not quite uh, comfortable in his place in the world right now, which is interesting. Okay. Um. Show again, stray bullets. The killer's number four. Uh, I love what horrible book. thing happened. What this horrible time? thing! It's a happy ending. The kid almost. You're a lie. You lie. Kit, the, it was just me now. At this point, I looked through it. I leafed through it. Okay, it has a happy ending. I uh, was following the, the too kids. little, too late. Lap him. The kid. Lap him. Like, I don't know. The the kid goes into a. After he breaks up with Virginia, the the, the main teenage girl. Who's murdered? Goes into a into a <laughs> this this abandoned house they've been staying in, and Overdose he heroin. he gets high, and then he puts a go. gun to his head, but the safety's Mother. on, and Virginia walks in just in time, and wait. So your happy ending is that he doesn't. He almost shoots his head. He almost shoots himself in the head, but the safety's on. <laughs> That's, she comes in. He's fixed. He, so he points the gun down, and he's removing the safety, or, or you know, switching off the safety. And she startles him, so he he fires by accident and shoots himself in the foot. But that's okay because he's got a prosthetic foot. 
And then she comes over and she's like, I missed you. And then, you know, and like, and he, and he throws the gun out the window, which is which closed. Which going off and shooting a kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but it's, but it's the end of this particular story and they're going to, um, uh, go to, he's going to explore another character from the past stray bullets, uh, and then I guess the next arc. I don't know exactly how this works structurally, but this one has a, the end dot, dot, dot at the end. And I'm sure we'll revisit, um, Eli and uh, and Virginia at some point, but it's probably an asbestos leak in their house or something. <laughs> oh, got cancer! It was. It's um. Yeah, it was. I guess it was pretty dark. I mean, <laughs> like his his cousin steals his his fake leg. That's uh, and no, there isn't even a priest. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am enjoying it. I quite like it. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. You go to ifanboy.com slash fuck. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> go to ifanboy.com. You can talk about uh, those books in the comments section of this show. You can also talk about the books we didn't talk about. There's a lot of comics this week. You can go do all that at ifanboy.com. And I just want to point out that although I'm technically getting this in under the wire, I've had this ready to go for a month. We just never really had the opportunity to talk about it. This is the book of the month for June. Didn't Black I do Can- the June book of the month? No. The very beginning of the month? Yeah. Did you? I think this is the July book. Oh, then I'm early. early. Yeah, you're early. This has never happened. This is great. July book of the month. Black Canary and Zatanna Bloodspell by Paul Dini and Joe uh, Quinones. Uh, That's probably wrong, but I apologize. Um, So this is your July book of the month. Getting out of the way. I think it's pretty, yeah, okay. And this is a fascinating book for me on many levels. This is an uh, original graphic novel from Paul Dini. And uh, it's interesting, uh, Paul, I know you read this too, yes. um, be- considering how militantly the current DC regime guards the New 52 as what's happening and it won't let anything in from the old world. This is a book that takes place completely in the old DCU. Yes. Uh, and it's not just Black Canary and Satana. There's basically cameos by every major DC character in this, in this Classic book. Classic Ollie. Classic Oliver. Uh, Batman, Superman, Hal Jordan, Elongated Man, uh, the old uh, Dark Side God. I mean, there's basically everyone makes a cameo. I love Batman Super- in there. Uh, probably not, but uh, Superman's in there for a panel. Superman's. I thought Superman's cameo was hilarious. Yeah, it was great. Um, but uh, this, I was really surprised that they let this go because, for the most part, projects that have been done before the changeover got re- rewritten or redrawn to fit the new world, and this doesn't. Do that at all? It just shows you the power of Paul Dini, Dini power in this in this space to push through this book that takes place in the old world. I thought that was really interesting from a business standpoint. But I also really love these two main characters, Black Canary and Zatanna. Are uh, you know Paul Dini has a love of magic and he's a love of Zatanna. He, she's always showing up in his stuff. But uh, I, I thought these two play off each other very well as characters. You know, you have one sort of very street level martial arts and very sort of practical character in Black Canary. Then you've got the magician performer, magic caster in Satana, and they don't, their sort of worldviews don't necessarily jive together, mm-hmm. but they work together pretty well. And this is not just an exploration of this story, which is this, there's this uh, magic wielder who casts a spell in Black Canary and the whole the whole story is about saving her from that spell and then, you know, catching the bad guy. But it also is a, is every, there's tons and tons and tons of flashbacks to their early lives 
throughout their history. Meeting the granny as, goodness and yeah. Meeting each other when they were sixteen on in Nanda Parabat and then their their relationship throughout the years and all the different eras too. So you see the terrible costumes from the seventies and eighties that they wore. The satellite era costumes, the the, the Black Canaries '80s costume. Yeah, and you see like three, three or four different Zaytana costumes. Like you see her in, um, like when her first, she first goes to the uh, Justice League satellite. Yeah, and it's Some terrible hair. Diff- different, yeah, different hair, and they remark on that and stuff. It's oh, it's great. I just thought this was a great love letter to these characters and to the and to the Justice League itself. Um, I just, it just, it's a romp. You know, you know Paul Dini's style, and it's fully on display here. There's a lot of humor. There's a lot of high action and a lot of great character moments too. I mean, there's a lot of time they just get you just get to spend with the characters. I think Kinones is um, the perfect choice to draw this. Yep, it's completely got the tone of it. And I mean, even for his his usual stuff, I mean, it's not that far off from what he'd normally do, but it's it's just the, the exact right match, the exact pairing of creators. And it's a it's just an awesome like extended team up story, right? Um, and they they go to the mall, and I was like, oh, just you know, there's female characters going to the the mall and have like a you know girls' afternoon or whatever. But it actually contextually makes sense because they go to uh, <laughs> a lingerie store to buy fishnet stockings. Right. They both wear fishnets. So. And I also like that they they go and they see the Justice League toys that are in the window of the toy store and talk about how they don't get kickbacks from those. Like there's just a lot of interesting things. This is interesting. Um, Looking in the back, um, they have Paul Dini's – I mean a lot of sketches from Canones and then Paul Dini's original pitch for it. And then you get the whole script. Yeah, so you not only get the whole story but you get the entire script. Here's what's interesting. Black Canary, Zaytana, Blood Spell, written by Paul Dini, revised 2.11.10. Yeah. So that's I mean so that's partially why it's it reflects relationships and you know the status quo of the old 52. Well, I mean no, obviously, but there have been other projects that have written before the changeover that they had that they were then forced to change again to fit into this to the world. But yeah. um I've been he's been talking about this online for years. I've been patiently patiently waiting for his Zaytana OGN, which turned into a Zatanna Black Canary OGN at some point or early on. But, yeah. you know, he's been, this has been worked on clearly for quite a while. Um, and it's great. I thought it was super fun. And if you're someone who misses the old DCU or these characters, this is, I mean, pick this up. You get, this is all, they're all here. And there's a new adventure with them. This is, uh, this is something I would, it's interesting because, you know, we have these conversations a lot where somebody's like, I, you know, I'm more of a Marvel person. I'd like to check out, you know, DC and what do I read? And you know, like, you think of, you know, the new 52 stuff. A lot of it's really continuity oriented and we're not enjoying a bunch of it. So I'm just thinking, what should I recommend other than, you know, the, the milestone kind of stuff? And, um, and he, this is something I, you know, would easily recommend to just about anybody. Yep. It was like, why, like, why do, you know, why do you love, you know, the DC universe? This is, I think this is an example of what we like. Exactly. So check that out, Black Canary and Zaytana Bloodspell. That's an OG. It's in hardcover right now. I'm sure there'll be a soft cover yeah. soon enough. Especially if people like the, um, you know, the the '90s stuff, the uh, the Batman animated series, yep. and all the stuff that came out of that, you'll go head over heels for this. Well, check that out. Now, Josh, do you want to read the email? We'll get it in under the wire. Let's do that. Um, Adam from Indiana says, "My understanding of DC's new Fifty Two." End quotes, is that it refers at least ostensibly to the number of titles being published and also to the number of Earths in the multiverse. It recently occurred to me that it might be 
might also be the number of issues we'll get in a reboot. Assuming publishing schedule continues on par with previous years, we'll reach issue number 52 with the re- of the remaining first wave books in May of 2016. This date also marks the release of Dawn of Justice. It's coincidental, but still aus- auspicious timing, and you'd expect something appropriately monumentous from DC. Would you? If there were, if if you were threatened with rebar and forced it, that's not a thing. Uh, not cool. Not cool. Forced not to cool. choose. Not cool. Uh, how would each of you like to see DC proceed? Continue with issue 53 in the current reality? Pre-boot. I like that term. Pre-boot. Back to the old continuity. Retro-boot back to the pre-crisis era. Or re-reboot where they actually wipe the slate clean this time. This is, this like, is good work from I feel from like Adam. Adam has like a wall with a lot of string, a lot of string <laughs> and push pins and things, which I think is awesome. He's just sitting around drinking, looking at the board, looking the board. <laughs> do is a flat circle, and it's a tiny uh, little mirror, just big enough for one eye. Yeah. Tuesday, I, uh, drinking DC day. It's certainly some interesting timing on that. Although I don't, I don't think that's that actually, is interesting. I don't think any of that is planned. From what I know, and I mentioned this is sort of. Uh, from what I know, this this is here to stay. Mm-hmm. I've heard nothing to nothing to change that since the last time I talked to someone who who would know things that. The New 52 continuity is not going anywhere, as far as I know. Now, that was a good six months ago, and a lot can change at that time. But it is interesting timing. Um, I, don't, I don't know why they keep calling the New 52, though, on the covers. Because it's that. It's like uh, when Ron used to get upset about, um, what was it, that one year later. Right. But just, the thing is, like, at a certain point, it becomes just the continuity. And if you're keeping it on there, it implies that there's another continuity that – do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was, I was thinking about this recently. I was like, is there still even – is there 52 books? Is, are they still no, it's, I mean, that maintaining that? I don't know, actually. I'm not going to say no. Because, because seriously, like, there, I remember when, like, previews would come out and there were people tracking that. Like, right. okay, and they're probably, since they canceled this, they're probably going to announce, you know, two, three Comic more Comic fans don't hold you to your word, that's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, but at this point, I haven't heard that in a while. Like, you know, people keeping track of it. And I don't know if that's just, you know, different books. And like, does this count as a new 52 or whatever? But but yeah, so it's, well, how, how about what do we want? <laughs> what would... What do you want, Paul? Okay, so when we get to 52, what do I hope happens next? Yeah, not, all those choices. Not 53. So <laughs> stay the course, no. Preboot, I mean, I don't, like, what is that? Like, what, I mean, uh, like, how do you, pre-boot how do you would do be that? Preboot would be just, you know, this timeline gets wiped away. I mean, you know, Flash wakes up and, you know, it was all a dream. Here's my thing. I don't want, yeah, I don't want the the new heart ending, you know, or the, the Dallas thing with Patrick Duffy in the shower. And right. explaining that this was all I, – I think it's too formal. For me, I, I don't, just – I don't literally mean that. I just mean like you know, you go back to where it was at that point in, when the flashpoint went off. Even that I think is too formal. Like I just – just let people tell the stories that they want. I don't like – and I know that this like it would never – they would never go for that. But I just let Paul Dini tell these stories. Let Jeff Johns tell the stories he wants. And if they don't mesh up exactly, then – you can do an editor's note or something and say this happened before this, you know, like uh, just tell, you know, tell the best Batman story, tell the best Superman story, tell the best Black Canary story and don't worry about what they're doing next door. Gosh, which one do you want? It's a version of, of that. And it's just stop 
stop forcing this world down our throats. Go back to how it was before. Don't try to explain it away. Don't make it into an event. Just gradually, like they're doing in the Superman issue, that was the pick of the week that we talked about at the beginning of the show, just move it towards whatever. Like, like the idea was to bring in all these new people. I don't know that that panned out over the long term. You mean it feels like teams or no or characters? No, creative teams were exactly the same people. Audience. Oh, oh, new people. The idea okay. was to like we'll, okay. this was too confusing for everyone, so we're going to start it over, and that was bullshit. You know, it's the same people buying it. It's the same people. So why not? If I mean, like, like to me, the draw of these characters is the tradition, is the history of it, is the established but also evolving characters of them. You know, and 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 make that be the make that be what what we're reading. Just just stop. T- take the stupid costumes off, and and just like make uh you know make Ollie Queen who Ollie Queen was. Make him the cranky old. Like I, I mean, I totally sound like one of those like just give it back to me the way I had it. But I feel like that was more successful. Uh, editorially, it seems to be this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. S- Story wise, I don't know. I have no idea what's happening with sales. I, I just mean from a creative standpoint, the books that are always the best, the ones that feel the least encumbered are the ones who are just sort of telling their story and not worrying so much about, you know, like making like like shoehorning this this new world. And it's funny because it's been long enough. Now, I don't really remember the difference between a lot of it. I mean, basically, Batman was a straight line through. Uh, um, I didn't read Flash or anything like that, but but yes or no. But we also deal with the constant problem of all the Robins and all that stuff trying to be shorn yes. in five years and all the all the different events that you know. Like yeah. I, this week, we had Secret Origins, which you know I it, read that and it was stupid. Right, but the point is, like you know, if you read the Hal Jordan one, it's and then there was the Lantern one, like all the stuff has it wasn't it, it wasn't stupid because of what it was. I was just like, you really you're telling these origins again. Well, that's like, what Secret Origins does. That's it's I know, but time honored, like, time honored book. But the point is absolutely. That they, but but you do it with characters and stuff. Where not not Green Lantern and Bat. Like I was like, oh, this is just this is a, a capsule a capsule review of what of what Greg Rucker wrote for Batwoman. Yeah, that's I, I, I skipped that one completely. But the yeah. the point is, they didn't actually reboot, and they just made it stupid in terms of mm-hmm. of. So you're saying all of this, all of the previous history happened in the last five years, but different, but didn't. And that was what really annoyed me. And I like, get away, like, right, get away from that. There's that thing yeah. that, that we used to talk about, you know, when people would be like, "Well, it doesn't make sense if you look at Batman in terms of time." It's just so stop worrying about that. It doesn't matter. Well, and it happened in Superman. If you looked at the yeah. wall of, of of paper, so we had the death of, and Return of Superman happened in, in this five years, and and it, who cares because he's so they're trying to stick years. to this this explanation of how things work because they feel like people need it, and I feel like that is antithetical to what comic books should be doing. Yes. Right. And it was all unearned too. But anyway, yes, I, yes. if I was if I was if I was to choose, I would actually re- reboot it with an actual wipe of a slate clean and not try to pretend like everything still happened, but not but but didn't happen. And, and just you. and just in fairness, I think the Superman, you know, the, the old Doomsday thing, the rebirth and everything that was established as part of the New Fifty Two and Swamp Thing Number One. Oh no, no, I'm saying we knew that from the very beginning. We knew that Superman and death happened. We knew the crisis happened. We knew that Joker shot back Barbara. I mean, all those things. <laughs> They 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 wanted to have their cake and eat it too, and they just ended up making a big muddled mess of everything. And and uh, anyway, I would reboot it for real. And I don't think anything's going to happen. I think it's going to get issue fifty three. But that's just me guessing. I haven't. I don't know anything. I want them to go back to the original numbers. 
Wow, you are becoming like a comic fan in your old age. No, I mean, like if you're talking about DC, it's like the longest stand. Like that was that was that was so cool when I was a kid. I and I know that that's probably not the same as when I was a kid. I thought that was so cool. Like I'm really I'm reading Detective Comics 700, and I would do the math and just be like, wow. It's almost that. like Ron infused you with his DNA <laughs> when he walked out the door and slowly starting to assert itself over you. Maybe. No, how, well, yeah. how, did, how did he infuse you? Well, that was the kind of thing that he used to complain about. But, but the same, like, I, I just, I think that's a really, it doesn't matter what you do in the book, but keep that number on the outside. Like, you don't renumber 2000 AD. They're on, like, you know, they're in the thousands. Like, we, we got, we got jacked on, 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 you know, Detective Comics 1000. I was waiting for that when I was 11. And it was right there. Hitler was upset about it, too. Yeah, I went, I went, <laughs> on the August 2014 issue of Superman. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It will, so in May 2016, we'll find out what happens. Uh, but I don't think anything's going to happen. At least as far as I know right now, things could change. I, th- I, think, I think that what will happen, I don't know when. I don't know that it will coincide with anything. But I think eventually you're going to see a sweeping editorial change of some kind is my guess. Hopefully, don't shut down the whole shop. Well, that, 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 that also, my whole, I caveat mine saying that's assuming everyone's still in charge who's in charge now. If suddenly right. everyone gets to boot, then anything can happen. If I'm a new guy who comes in and I'm taking over and saying, what should I do? I'm totally going back to, to what I'm going back to the old numbering. I'm, they're coming well, out. It depends on what Diane Nelson tells you to do. But also, I mean, also, I know. I know, but maybe she gets moved on to the, the Hobbit finance division. I don't know. You right. know, like, that's what I'd do. Well, but we'll see. I want there to be pyro, and then the door falls down, and then Mark Wade walks through and gets to do whatever he wants. That be. I would. I would. I would vote for that uh, before any presidential election. You can email us at contact@ifanboy.com, but not right now because it's not working. Our uh, the service we used for our contact email, not our personal emails, but our contact email, went down this week, and it's going out of business. So we have yet to figure out what we're doing next. And to so be honest, right, my personal email is a little bit uh, – it's pretty much jacked at this point too. So right now if you email contact.fanboy.com, no one will get your email. It will just go into the ether and never come out again. So if you have a quick question, you can tweet it. So, so the point is if you have, a, if you've emailed us in the, la- in the last week, you might want to you know, hold on to that in your drafts and do it again when we get fix it because we have not seen it. Um, so right now we have, we have about 700 unread messages in our box there. So I don't know what's going to happen. Stay tuned on that. We may we may not have audience questions for a while. We'll see how that goes. You can, but you can still them, call, you can post them on our Facebook wall. Yeah, for now you can do that. We don't yeah. like yeah yeah um, yes. For now you can post your questions on our Facebook wall. If you've emailed us in the last week, you can post those there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll draw our questions from there. You can also still call our voicemail line at eight 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 fanboys three two six two six nine seven. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Keep around thirty seconds. That still works for now. Um, just so don't make it 2.7 megabytes long because then we won't listen to it because it's, it's you were wrong it's on the other number it's, it's 638 is the other number that's 638 your, no yeah. yes did you say 468 yeah 638 okay again, head over, we're, this, we're losing them let's just head over to fanboy.com come <laughs> on this show talk about this week's books you can find all our other podcasts uh, we don't have any special edition shows coming up soon but then after July you'll have a whole bunch happening so keep your eye out for those coming to ifanboy.com uh, you can follow iFanboy at twitter.com slash iFanboy. You can put questions there, but it's limited because you don't have a lot of space. Uh, Facebook.com slash iFanboy, as we said. You can follow us individually. J.A. Flanagan, C.S. Kilpatrick, or Fuzzy Typewriter. 
uh, on the Twitter. Um, and that we're there frequently. Yeah. And if you dig this kind of thing, you can write us a review in iTunes or better yet, tell your friends about us. Tell people, you got Fourth of July parties coming up. Tell the people. Can you tell things in fireworks? Can. It's, it's cumbersome. It's, not, it's definitely not the most efficient way. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying break into like a fireworks factory or whatever. You want to spell I, things out in the sky? Is that what you want? Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, you could, you could, you could launch a lot of fireworks, and then everybody sort of turns around, and then you say, "Now that I've got your attention." Exactly. <laughs> I think that's that's fine. I, I agree. That. Do that. Don't set anything on fire. Safety first, everyone. Safety first. Yeah. And if fireworks are illegal in your state or municipality, we don't we don't endorse you doing that. I do endorse your use of the word municipality, though. Thank you. All right, so um, I'm going to go somehow try to get Nelson out of my head. Oh, it was gone. Now it's back. I can tell you so. one thing. People at the beginning of the show are going to wonder why that was the song. <laughs> and by the end, they'll be angry. Like normal. Because they'll be, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I am Joshua Flanagan. Thank you for attending. Very cool. Who are the voices? Yeah.